Welcome to this week's weekly Yes And podcast. I am Travis Thomas. This is episode 40. Wow, the big 4-0. The weekly yap is turning 40 today. And I am just coming out of two weeks of, uh, of being a, a leadership mentor at a camp in the middle of Missouri. So I had limited Wi-Fi and I was on a 24-7 schedule for those two weeks doing really, really fun work working with high school students as well as uh, college-aged counselors and, uh, and, and young leaders right out of college. And so I had a wonderful time for the last two weeks working with all of these leaders. And so I'm now, I'm back on the grid. Uh, I'm in St. Louis for a few days before heading up to Michigan to visit family. And uh, really excited about today's podcast. Episode 40 is with my good friend, Tracy Fenton. And we are going to be talking about uh, workplace democracy. We're going to be talking about freedom at work. Tracy is the uh, the CEO and founder of World Blue. You've heard me speak about World Blue before. I spoke the last two years at the World Blue Summit in Miami, and I was the first MC of the first ever World Blue Conference, oh man, about 12 years ago. And so I got to be the MC a couple of times and have spoken a few times. And uh, <clears throat> Tracy and I had an opportunity a few weeks ago before, before I left Florida to, uh, to talk a little bit about her story, why she started World Blue, and, uh, and how it's helping transform how business and work is done. Uh, Tracy has, she's developed the Freedom at Work model, uh, uh, helping people become freedom-centered leaders, freedom-centered workplaces. Uh, I mean, she is working, World Blue is working with organizations like Zappos, DaVita, WD-40, HCL Technologies, Menlo Innovations, uh, amazing companies. And Tracy was recognized by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 50 leadership thought leaders uh, in the U.S. And so uh, she and I go back to college, and it's been a pleasure getting to know her. Uh, Well, not getting to know her because we've known each other, but just being able to to dive into the world blue world. To uh, it's been extremely enlightening for me over the years, uh, as far as my my life coaching, my performance coaching, uh, living in the yes and world, the principles of uh, democratic uh, organizations fall directly in line with with what I'm doing with live yes and and a yes and mindset. And I think all of that comes out in my interview with Tracy uh, that we're going to be hearing today. So before we jump into that, just another quick thing I want to share. About a few months ago, actually just over a month ago, I was in Atlanta speaking at an event. And uh, on my way out, I passed my good friend, John O'Leary. John is the author of On Fire, which is a national bestseller. If you haven't read it yet, you need to get On Fire. Uh, And uh, John, as we were walking out, we were checking in, and he's like, hey, can I introduce you to a friend real quick? And John was meeting um, this high school student who had reached out to him, who knew he would be in Atlanta, and wanted to meet him and talk with him a little bit. And uh, so I got a chance to meet this wonderful young woman, and uh, her name is Bussy. And she uh, she's a senior at Decatur High School. She's going to be going to college and major in journalism. And uh, she loves spoken word poems, spoken word poetry, 
And uh, when we had that time together, I said, uh, well, I would love, you know, love any poem that you've written, and I would love to read it and possibly share it on the Weekly Yap. So she sent me this poem, and I asked her permission if I could read it for the Weekly Yap, and she said, absolutely. And so, Bussy, this is your poem, Who Are You? Who are you to tell me who I am meant to be? Last time I checked, I never asked for your opinion. Maybe I was asleep and it's only a dream, although I wouldn't consider it a dream at all. I don't need you telling me who I am meant to be. Right now, I may not be as smart as you or as beautiful as you, but I know someone who thinks I'm amazing. Who are you to tell me how I should feel? I don't recall ever mentioning your name. And just because I don't ever mention your name, don't feel obligated to scream it out loud. Your words may be coming out, but to me, you're not saying a word. Who are you to tell me how I should dress? I mean, I may not be into fashion like you are, but I don't need to hear it from you. I will dress however way I want to dress. All you can and will do is sit back and don't say a word, because I'm not listening. Who are you to say who should or should not be my friend? Because believe it or not, I'm perfectly capable of choosing my own friends. I used to think you could be my friend, but you started controlling me. We can still be friends, but in order for that to happen, you have to learn to accept me for me. Stop trying to change everything about me. Not everything in life is going to be perfect. There's some things you can change, and there's other things that cannot be changed. I am one of them. Let me be me and live life to the fullest. I suggest you do the same. Whether you listen to me or not, I have one last thing left to say. You can't change a person, but you can help them find themselves when they are lost. And once again, that was Who Are You by Bussy. So Bussy, thanks so much for sharing that with me. I hope all of you guys enjoyed it here on the weekly Yap as well. And if anyone else has any poetry or any ideas of inspiration that you'd like to share on the weekly Yap, it's all about a yes and mindset. I would love to share that as well. And speaking of sharing the yes and mindset, uh, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be busy recording the next couple chapters of uh, my book, Three Words for Getting Unstuck, Live Yes And. I'm also going to be formatting it for a print distribution. But if you want to read it right now, you can you can read it via Amazon Kindle, and it is on Amazon, Three Words for Getting Unstuck, Live Yes And. I've gotten some really, really great feedback about it, so I really appreciate it. Those who you have purchased it, have read it, have shared it, uh, and it's really inspiring to hear that, um, uh, that there are some ideas in there that are actually helpful and uh, inspiring people. So thank you so much for that. So moving on, let's get into that conversation with Tracy. I've already given her the introduction that she needs. Uh, she's a wonderful person, uh, insightful, and truly a, a world thought leader. And so it's a pleasure to welcome Tracy to the weekly app. Tracy, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Great to be with you, Travis. And so you are back home. You're back in Iowa and uh, recovering from the World Blues Summit. So just tell me, Tracy, to get things going, um, what what are some of the takeaways that you're sitting with that you're excited about after this year's uh, World Blue Summit? Yeah, we just got back from our World Blue Power Question Summit. It was outstanding. It was great to have you there, Travis, working your improv magic. <laughs> and <laughs> the whole focus on the summit this year 
was on the mindset part of the Freedom at Work model that I developed and that we teach. And the Freedom at Work model um, that we do at World Blue is has three parts to it: mindset, design, and leadership. And this grew out of the last 20 years since I started World Blue, working with companies all over the world, from small to Fortune 500s, from Zappos to Groupon to Hulu to WD40 and all different industries. And over those last 20 years of working with them, bringing freedom and democracy to the workplace and to the way that they lead, what that evolved into is this freedom at work model. And we found that in order to truly build a healthy culture, to be a great leader, to have a freedom-centered life, to use our words, you have to have the three parts of this three-legged stool. And it starts with mindset. And so often we talk about leadership change or we talk about shifting our organizations and their culture, but we don't really understand that it starts with a mindset shift. And that's what our Power Question Summit was about. It was about teaching a tool that I've developed in a five-step process that helps us shift our mindset from fear, which is what most of us are in most of the time, and yeah. we don't even realize it, right. and making that shift into a mindset of freedom. And by doing that, that enables us to live our full potential, to realize our purpose, and to have much happier, more joyous lives overall. And the power question, Tracy, for everyone listening is... The power question is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? What would you do if you weren't afraid? And so what I encourage people to do is to think about a challenge that they're facing in their lives, whether it's on a personal level, workplace, global. It could be a conversation you need to have with your spouse that you're putting off, um, a, a child, an issue with a child or a teenager that you're dealing with. It could be something going on with a colleague at work or even an opportunity before you. And what I say to people is think about what that challenge is and then ask yourself the power question. What would you do? How would you handle that challenge if you weren't afraid? And so often we don't identify um, stress or anger or frustration or um, inaction or analysis paralysis or judgment or self-righteousness or any of these things as fear. But when we peel back the layers, we see that what really drives dysfunctional behavior in ourselves, in our workplaces and in the world, really at the root of it is fear. And so when we're in fear, we're not in our power. But when we break through that fear, that's when we reclaim a true sense of power. And that's why I call it the power question. What would you do if you weren't afraid? And so it's it's interesting, Tracy, because, you know, I've I've been coming to your conferences, you know, for, for 10 years now. And it's it's my favorite thing to do each year. And Thank you. You're welcome. And for three days that you had a conference of participants. And leaders, corporate leaders, uh, uh, leaders of all kind, sharing their stories of, of vulnerability and how they overcame their own fear, uh, either in their personal life or in their professional life. And on the surface, you look at it and you're like, wow, that, that would be a real downer. A, a three-day conference with people sharing their fears would be a real downer. But the opposite is true, and I, I think what you got to see so many, you got to see such such authenticity and transparency and vulnerability from people that were sharing, 
and it was able to open up everyone in attendance to their own insecurities and their own fear. Exactly. And I love how you said that because even though we've been doing different World Blue Summits over the last decade, this is the first time we dedicated one just to the power question. And I had I had that same fear, ironically. I thought, oh my gosh, three days, is it going to feel you know, heavy and like a downer and that it's a, it's a conference on fear, but it's not, it was actually a conference on freedom. And I think that's the difference. And so when people can surface those fears and we create an incredibly safe environment for people to do that, and we have world-class speakers sharing their stories. And I share my stories of the fears that I break through, have broken through in the past and working on, um, people realize that they can be authentic, that they're in a safe environment, that people care. And we lead them through the power question process. Everyone gets a workbook. They get the new workbook that, um, I've developed called the power question, 30 days to living fearlessly in all areas of your life. So they get that. We walk them through a process and, what comes from that when you're breaking through that fear, as we all know, is a sense of relief, is a sense of euphoria, is a sense of, you know, people were saying at the summit, I feel liberated, I feel lighter, I feel joy, I feel happiness because you're breaking through that fear. And so you're right, it was just the opposite. It was an experience that was so uplifting and so inspiring and so moving. I'm still on a high from it. And it was last week. <laughs> yes. Well, you should be. So, yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, speaking of fear and speaking of journey, uh, take us back a little bit into your own personal journey. Because obviously, I've known you for a long time. For those of you listening, Tracy and I went to college together, Principia College. We're both alums. And uh, in college, I even remember uh, uh, us uh, having Tracy be the host of our video production class and having to sit in front of a fake campfire and <laughs> intro and outro all of our videos. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> well, we, we all, we've tried to, we've tried to forget about that. Right. <laughs> but Tracy, that's, that's not why I asked the question. So, so take us, take the listener. Um, you had visions of grandeur when you left school and your professional career, but things did not go as you had planned. So, so take us onto that journey a little bit. How did, how did, how did the world blue kind of concept evolve? Right. Well, mentally, I am around the campfire with you right now, and I will tell you my story. And well, things never go as planned, but that's the, that's the fun part of life. And I think um, I feel like, despite the twists in the road, I feel that so far my life, in some ways, has gone better than planned. So I'm grateful for that. But yes, I I started World Blue technically when I was 21 years old and a senior in college at Principia, and there were three things that led me to start World Blue. And briefly, the first one was senior year at college, I was asked to be the director of our public affairs conference, our student-run conference, as you remember. And I said to the student team, why don't you guys come up with something with a topic for the um, conference that was going to be very consciousness raising and outside the box and progressive and exciting. And after spending the summer brainstorming, they came back to me and they said, Tracy, we think we should do the conference on democracy. And my response was, democracy is old white guys in politics in Washington, D.C. That's the worst (laughs) idea I've ever heard. And so I I laugh and say I had a really bad leadership moment. But 
they started talking with me about it and they said, you know, we got to think of democracy as more than politics, that there are principles that create a democratic system and democracy isn't about government per se. It's about governance. And it's the way that we, um, interact with each other and relate and govern ourselves. And that applies to education. It applies to urban planning. It applies to the environment. It applies to politics. It applies to business. It applies to all these areas of our lives. But what got me hooked was from a really young age, I knew that my life was about helping people achieve their full purpose. And and their full potential. And I realized you couldn't do that in an environment that's based on fear and control. And so I saw, you know, at a young age, wow, this democracy thing might provide that framework that enables people to realize their full potential, that creates that environment. So we did the conference on democracy. It was awesome. The day after the conference, I was on a plane to Indonesia and I did my final quarter of college studying abroad in Indonesia. Iowa girl goes to Indonesia, first time out of the country. Big culture shock, but what was more shocking being there in the in the late 90s was 97. It was when Suharto, their president, was being overthrown. It was right as the Asian financial crisis was starting. And I got to see what it was like for people to not live in a free and democratic society. And it made an indelible impact on my heart. I mean, when I got off the plane, within minutes, I was told what I could and could not talk about. And I never experienced that before, that level of control, trying to control me and, and my person. And it really made an impact. And then I came back from Indonesia, graduated from college. I had formed World Blue on paper. I knew, knew I wanted to do something with freedom and democracy in the business world. But of course, I had no idea what I was doing. Moved um, back to Iowa. And to support myself, I got a job at a Fortune 500 company. And I walked into work that first day. This was the third thing that really led me to start World Blue. I walked into work the first day and I was ready to engage and I was ready to make a difference. I was ready to participate and bring my full capacity to this job. And I left the first day feeling completely dehumanized. I, I could see instantly that this was a toxic environment. And I just thought, wow, I mean, something just hit me so deeply. I thought, this is not how I'm spending the next 30 to 40 years of my life. And I don't think it's how anyone else should either. So those three things really galvanized me. And then from there, I resigned from that job four months later. I like to joke and say I re resigned Jerry Maguire style, if anyone can remember <laughs> that movie and his Treaty of Freedom. Yes. Um, and then I moved to Washington, D.C., did my graduate work, and I worked for the Nasdaq stock market. Um, so my first four years of World Blue, I was in graduate school and working. And then that was uh, 20 years ago now, and, and we've built a global brand. We have clients in 80 countries. And as I mentioned before, work with some of the brightest stars um, all over the world. So it's really been an incredible beginning and an incredible journey, and I feel that we're just getting started. Yeah, and so over all these years, Tracy, again, you, you've, you've traveled the world. You've spoken to so many leaders. You've worked with so many organizations, big and small. And what is it that you have noticed? Um, uh, and obviously, there's there's the ten principles of a freedom centered workplace that 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 you helped uh, create and identify. But as you're 
as you're working with all these people and working with all these leaders, uh, what are what are the obstacles? And and maybe maybe it's as simple as as to say it's fear. But what are the obstacles that you have noticed that have really prevented sort of corporations and the workplace from having a greater sense of freedom? Well, I love that question. And because I really think what it comes down to, and it took me a long time to understand this, but it does come down to one's mindset. It does come down to an ability to be aware of fear and how to manage it. I mean, the CEOs that I work with who are leading what we call World Blue Certified Freedom-Centered Companies, which is one of the things that we do. We certify companies. They have to reach a very, very high standard in order to be certified. When I work with the top of the top, these leaders are people who are highly self-actualized. They're very self-aware. They're not perfect, um, but they're growing. But recently I've noticed one other thing that I think really plays into an individual having a freedom-centered life, but also more specifically leaders leading, um, whether it's a team or an entire organization in a freedom-centered way. And that really comes down to one's sense of self-worth. And this is something we talk about a lot at World Blue when we are talking about the freedom-centered leader part of our three-part model. And what I have found is that leaders who are comfortable in their skin, who are secure in who they are, warts and all, um, who don't engage in a lot of negative, uh, critical self-talk, um, people who are, who are comfortable in themselves. In other words, people who have high self-worth tend to be much more receptive to these ideas of freedom and democracy in the workplace as a way of thinking, as a way of being in the world. Uh, but most people actually, I think, struggle a lot with self-worth. And a lot of leaders try to cover it up with bravado and arrogance and overconfidence. And that is not self-worth. That's actually insecurity that people are trying to mask. And so I like to ask CEOs and I ask leaders, I say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest, how would you rate your sense of self-worth? How much do you love yourself? Are you, you know, and I'm looking for an eight or higher, ideally. Mm. And what we have found at World Blue is we really can't move the needle on a company and we won't work with a company if, if the CEO can't give themselves an eight or higher. And, and I'm, I can read people now really, really well. So I can tell, <laughs> you know, they can't try to fool me because I can tell in a minute. Um, but so many leaders will say to me, five, six, you know, the five, six range. Right. And so then I say to them, which of course I appreciate the honesty. Uh, but then I say, for example, I was talking with a CEO of a $50 million company. Um, so smaller business just a couple weeks ago. And I asked him that question and he said, I give myself a six so on self-worth. So then I said, all right, as a leader in his sixties. So then I said, all right, you give yourself a six. What would it take to be a seven, you know, to just move, move your sense of self-worth forward, just one point. And he just did a big exhale and sat back in his seat. He's like, I don't even know. Mm. I don't even know. And I think, I think a lot of people feel that way. It's either number one, some 
external thing that has to shift to give them a greater sense of worth, whether it's right. a you know money thing or a position thing or some kind of external factor, which of course that's not where we find our worth. It is not derived externally. It's from within. But the other side of it is when, when an individual realizes, you know what, this number, this level that I've been holding myself at is actually pretty arbitrary and I can let it go. And I think in my personal belief is we are all tens, you know, in the self-worth scale. Doesn't mean, again, doesn't mean we're perfect, but we all are so incredibly valuable. That's why the universe created us. You know, we're here to fill a niche. We're here for a purpose and we're already a 10. And the leaders who can grasp that from a place of humility, those are the leaders who really get what world is about and what we stand for. And those are really fun people to work with. <laughs> yes, they are. It, it, and it's quite a tribe. It's quite a tribe of people when you're able to bring them all together, uh, such as the summit does and the camps do. And, and I know speaking from personal experience, it is when you get even a small group of people like that into a room, it is so reassuring and refreshing as far as there is hope. <laughs> exactly. And that, that is the, the thing that people tell me every time at any of our summits, they say, I feel like I found my tribe, you know, and that makes me so happy because when I first started World Blue, I felt like I had no tribe. <laughs> and so building this global community has given me that sense of tribe as well. And it is very inspiring and uplifting, but also ground, and it's grounded. I mean, these are people who are, who are really grounded and really striving and really earnest and just world-class awesome people. Well, for you, Tracy, again, because I know this has not been an easy journey for you, and I know it continues to not be an easy journey. And again, here you are, um, here you are, a woman from Iowa that uh, has basically put a stake in the ground and has said there is a better way of doing business, <laughs> which is not an easy, uh, uh, you know, uh, torch to carry. So over over this over this journey over these years, how have you been able to face your own fears, deal deal with your own adversity, and continue to to go on? Because you have really created this tribe. Like you said, there was no tribe. You are sort of the the shaman of the tribe here. And so, how have you gotten through all these years when you have felt like you are the only one? Well, I think. For me, it's number one, it's purpose driven. I know that my purpose in life is to help inspire people to live lives of freedom rather than fear. And I've been clear about my purpose for a long time. I had a wonderful mentor who helped me years ago get clear on that, and I'm grateful for that mentorship. Um, you do have to have mentors along the way. And so I've been purpose-driven. I'm a deeply spiritual person. I think that it is our divine right to be free and not live with fear. Um, and so that keeps me going. And I feel that my life is a, in service, um, in service to a bigger picture. And, you know, we've, we've had great traction and we've really been able to shift the dialogue uh, on this conversation in our space. We've built a brand that's very well respected and admired. And when you start to see the traction and the impact, you know, with our freedom, um, with our certification where we certify 
Freedom Center companies, we just had the 10-year anniversary of that. We've reached over a million employees alone with that certification. And just that one metric, when you feel like you're having an impact and you are reaching millions of people and there's a ripple effect from that, I think those things are what keep you keep you going. And, and then of course there's the joy of practicing what you preach. You know, I'm teaching people to break through fear and it's really great to have the tools myself to use in my own life. As I go out and say, Hey, we're going to climb this new mountain. Now we're going to try this. Now we're going to do this. You know, fears come up for you along the way, but I use the power question myself almost every single day. What would I do if I weren't afraid? And you, you know, the answer to that question before you even ask it, you know, your answer. And Mm using that to guide you along with, um, a, you know, a daily spiritual practice and a sense of purpose. That's what keeps me going. And I think we live in a world that thinks that everything is instant gratification, instant success. And it's just not that it is, it is a slow and steady journey, but to me, that's so much more fun. It's so much more sustainable and, it's just, you know, you, I want the up, uphill, upward, rather upward climb. Um, you don't want peaks and valleys. You just want that slow and steady climb. And I think that's what we've been doing. And I'm very, very grateful. And so, and I know it is about the journey and it's not about the destination, but what, what does the summit look like when you think about, wouldn't it be awesome if? Yeah. Well, for us, our vision at World Blue has always been to see 1 billion people living, leading, and working in freedom. And we have our different metrics for measuring that. And that, to me, would be the answer to wouldn't it be awesome. And so I think what we've been doing for the last 20 years at World Blue is building a community, doing developing phenomenal world-class client uh, content that is original, um, working with world-class clients, we've been able to prove that the freedom at work model outperforms against the S and P 500 companies with seven times the revenue growth. So these aren't just hippy dippy ideas from a, from a blonde chick born and raised in Iowa, but (laughs) you know, these are solid business strategies that make a difference in the world. And we've now got all of that. We've got 20 years of that under our belt. And so what we're focusing on going forward is how can we impact even more lives? How can we touch even more people with this message? And so the ultimate goal is a billion people who would know things like the power question. What would I do if I weren't afraid? Who would know that they have a choice to work in a freedom centered company? We have our work cut out for us, but we've got a strategy. And I think the ripple effect continues. And that to me keeps me going, keeps me energized. And for someone listening, Tracy, and I know you've used the the power question personally as well as, as well as professionally. What advice do you have for someone if, if uh, as far as for them to work sort of through the process of of incorporating it into their own life? Well, they can go to our website, worldblue.com, no Eon Blue, and we have a free download of our power question process. It's a five step process to help you work through fear. And I think I love, you know, the Gandhi quote, we must be the change we wish to see in the world. And I think it starts with each of us individually becoming aware of the massive fear in our life, becoming aware of how it tries to control us so that we can consciously and intentionally choose a different path. And 
if everyone just started working daily with the power question, that's where we're going to see the ripple effect on our behaviors, on our choices, on our decisions. They say that we think around 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those thoughts are negative and fear-based. So there's, we have a problem to solve, you know, and if we can start with something as simple as the power question, what would you do if you weren't afraid and bring that into our lives? I think that's just a really effective place to start. And, and again, you know, the 10 principles of uh, a freedom-centered workplace, again, those are also available on the website as well, Tracy? Yeah, and we haven't really talked about those. Those are actually the 10 principles of organizational democracy. And that's what I spent about a decade researching and studying all over the world because I wanted to understand, okay, if democracy is the framework for freedom to ultimately get us to freedom, what are the principles? And I think when we talk about democracy, we often think of it as practices. We think about voting or we think about consensus and, you know, they vote in North Korea. That doesn't mean it's democratic. So what are the principles that create a democratic system? And we've identified that there are 10 principles and they're principles like transparency and accountability and choice and decentralization of power and the balance of the individual and the collective. And yes, you can get those on our website too. And when we work with companies specifically on organizational design, we bring out those principles and we talk about how to design an organization based on those principles. And then when we certify a company, we are, um, measuring them against those 10 principles and how well they're practiced in an organization at an individual leadership and systems and processes level. So democracy is that framework um, that gets us to freedom. And then the larger model is the freedom at work model, which is about the mindset, the overall design and leadership. That's what World Blue teaches overall. And I know I, I can speak. Obviously, I've been drinking the world blade, the world blue Kool Aid for many, many years now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and and what I have found with the principles is is how they transcend uh, just business and and the workplace. And um, obviously, being married with a, a family of five, three kids. Uh, these these principles, whether it's transparency, whether it's whether it's choice, uh, purpose, they really they they apply to any aspect of life, whether it's whether it's your family life, whether it's your education, um, any relationship that you're in. These these principles. Uh, are applicable uh, to to any to any relationship to any team, and I know it's for me. The, the more I've been able to to dive into it and and live in that world, it's just been super helpful in every aspect of life. Well, thank you for saying that and bringing up that point, and and that is what's fun. I have so many people tell us this isn't just for the workplace. This is for every area of of our lives, and a lot of the members of the World Blue team talk with me about how they use the principles in their family, you know, as a system of governance and leadership for their family. And, you know, being able to be transparent in the right way, responsibly transparent with your children, you know, being able to decentralize power where it's not just, you know, dad calling the shots, but giving children an opportunity in an age appropriate way of what is their sense of power? You know, how can they make decisions? How can they experience that for themselves? And really what you're doing is you're creating an entire environment of people who, um, whether it's at home or at work, who can self govern and who are empowered and who have high self worth. So it's a really positive reinforcing system. That's for sure. 
Well, during the conference, Tracy, as you were speaking, you you uh, someone had mentioned the phrase or the question, uh, sort of equating the power question to what would you do if you couldn't fail? And and I loved how you said it's not the same question. Uh, what would you do if you weren't afraid? It's not the same as what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And what I loved about that when you said that during the conference was that to me is kind of where the yes and sort of mindset comes in. Because with the yes and mindset, to to say yes is actually having to say yes to to really what what's showing up, what what's happening. And so if fear is showing up, we need to be honest with ourselves and we need to be able to notice it and catch it and then look beyond, you know, how would how do we respond if we were able to address that fear. And what I loved about this, because that's really what that yes and mindset is all about. It's being able to say, yes, I'm afraid of X. And how would I respond from my highest sense of purpose? And I think the power question really allows people to do that. Well, I think that's such a great point. I'm a huge fan of yes and. I've learned that from you. It really is something you can bring into every part of your life. I mean, as a leader, when I think, you know, when I'm in calls with my team or I'm in meetings and something comes up, I'm always kind of thinking, yes and, you know, (laughs) what about this and what about that? And you're right. Fear makes us say no. But if we can say, yep, I'm feeling the fear and you know what? I can work through it. And I can see what's possible on the other side. Um, that is that mindset that the yes and and the freedom center mindset go hand in glove without a doubt. And so, yeah, and it's not the same question as what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I think so often because we're scared of fear and we don't understand how to identify fear, we're not going deep enough. And that's what the power question does. What would I do if I weren't afraid? enables me to, number one, I have to be humble enough to admit that I have fear, Right. which so often, you know, we're raised in a, in a world that says, don't be authentic and don't admit that you've got fear, you know, and there's a lot of pressure and especially on leaders to always know the answer. And that's just unrealistic. Um, but as we become more vulnerable and more open and understand how being authentic is actually a strength and not a weakness and can admit, yep, in this moment, I feel fear. I feel, you know, the symptoms of fear, which is stress and concern or worry, anxiety. But as we peel that back and see what it is and use the five-step process, which starts with what exactly are you afraid of, you know, and identify that that becomes deeply empowering. And that allows us to, to live in our yes space all the more. Yeah. Well, and all we have to do, right. Is, is to write, is, is to watch this current sort of election process. And not that it's a whole lot different than, than previous elections to see just the, um, the lack of humility in candidates uh, being willing to say, I don't know, be willing to say that they don't have all the answers. Um, and and uh, again, to be at the summit and to see so many inspiring leaders who are able to embrace their fallibility, to embrace their, their faults, and to say, you know what, I don't have to have all the answers, but together we can figure it out. It's, it's, it's just so inspiring to see. Well, it is a stark contrast, isn't it, between the two? And, you know, you're sitting there going, who do I really want to lead me? You know, the leader who has the humility to say, this is how I feel, but I'm going to do the work and grow. Or the one who's just, 
just so out of touch or not self-reflective at all, you know, I think most people would, would choose the former, you know, a more freedom center leader to be around. And I think, you know, speaking on a global global level, we have to become more aware of how much fear drives, not just in the U.S., but globally. It drives our political systems. It drives our economic systems. It drives our religious systems. It drives our healthcare systems. It drives our education systems. These systems have been built using a fear-based mindset. And that is why they are so largely dysfunctional. And so we need to dismantle those systems and we can do that as simply as each one of us consciously choosing to act and make a decision just for one moment, just for one day, get in that practice of acting from a mindset of freedom and not fear. And, and I want to be clear too, I'm not talking about getting rid of the kind of fear that, you know, says, don't go running down that dark alley late at night by yourself. You know, that's the fear that lets us know there's danger and we need to be alert. I'm talking about the kind of fear that tries to limit our full potential and purpose. Um, and that's what we're talking about moving the needle on and, and just imagine the new systems we could create in our world, if we could come at it with that kind of mindset. Absolutely. And absolutely. And that's, you know, and that's, I think we can see that in our education system. We can see that in our athletics and there's even, you're starting to see a little bit of a shift in both. We need more, but you're starting to see a, a shift in both. Um, but again, there's hope and there's hope. And, and I have to say, again, someone who has known you for a long time, I've worked with you, I've worked for you. And, and knowing the World Blue team and anyone that's ever worked with the World Blue team is that you and the team absolutely models these principles. And um, you definitely sort of put your money where your mouth is. Well, thank you. You know, the old joke, we, we teach that which we most need to learn. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, but I'm, I'm glad and I'm, I feel honored and privileged to be a steward of these ideas and to have these tools that do help you navigate life. Life can be really difficult and challenging and hard, you know, and we need the tools to help us navigate and make great decisions. And, you know, I love my life. I'm just so grateful and so joyous and so happy as you know, and you know, everyone's like, are you, are you ever sad? And we all have our moments, but when you have this, this tools and this awareness and, and the promise that, you know, we are meant to live in freedom and not fear and control that changes the way you live your life. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Well, Tracy, last question so that you can go off and and continue to inspire the world. Um, For anyone listening, if they're new to World Blue or if they're not, and they want to have more of a a freedom-centered mindset in their own life, whatever that may be, um, what's the starting point for them? Yeah, well, I invite them to come to our website, worldblue.com. There's no E on blue, so it's worldblue, B-L-U.com. We're called World Blue because blue is universally recognized as the color of freedom. And they can come to our website. Um, We're actually making some big improvements to it to give you even more free content to download. But we have a Power Question PDF that you can download for free to help 
get you going on this process. And I think just a simple first step is get people shifting their mindset. Then that's going to shift our leadership behavior and the way we design our organizations ultimately. And you can write it down on a piece of paper, you know, as you're listening to me now, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Take that out into your life. Use it on your teenager who comes and talks with you about a problem tonight. Use it when your spouse comes home and is talking with you about work. Use it when your colleague comes to you and says they're stressed out. Just ask them, how would you handle this? What would you do if you weren't afraid? And watch the shift that happens for people. Fantastic. And I will definitely uh, share those links uh, in the page for this podcast as well. Uh, Tracy, thanks so much for your time, Tracy. Wonderful to be with you, Travis. And thanks for all you're doing. I fully support it. Thank you. We'll have a wonderful yes and day. The light.